It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello and a warm welcome to The Call. This is the program, 10 companies picked by you. We've got two fantastic expert guests in studio and we will discuss these names over the next hour. It is Friday, the 7th of May. I'm Nadine Blaney. A big welcome to those of you watching on the live stream, of course, but also on board today, we have viewers on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Great to have you along. We do this program every weekday at midday Eastern, and you can watch it live and on demand via our app or the website, or you can listen to it or listen to it again as a podcast. I know a lot of our viewers do that just to get uh, clarity on some of the calls that are made. We're very clear on the day. It's a buy, it's a hold, or it's a sell. Now here with me in studio today and with me for the next 60 hour, 60 minutes, I should say, Jumbe Lu from Tribeca Investment Partners. You might get sick of me in 60 hours. And Adam Dawes from Sean Partners. Never as get well. sick of you. Come on. Thank hours. you. It's a Friday. We're feeling pretty good. Look, it was a busy week in terms of news flow. A lot of it coming from that Macquarie conference. Mm. Uh, some upgrades coming. Were you you know, surprised to the extent of some of these upgrades and guidance that we saw? Yeah, well, look, um, we were actually surprised to the share price reaction to some of those upgrades and changes um, in, in, you know, updates to the market. Usually the Macquarie conference years ago used to be known as the downgrade conference when all the retailer one year had a really bad season and then they all downgraded. So it's been known as downgrade conference. And then since then it's been known as tech conference. So, because that's where all the international uh, investors come in and see our tech companies present. Yeah. And then they all, you know, share price normally rally 30, 50, since then. Um, but this year is interesting because so far the consistent message out of the um, the whole uh, conference is that, you know, revenue is improving across most corporates, revenue is improving, but cost is higher. Mm -hmm. So most mm -hmm. of them talk to increasing material costs, increasing labor, labor shortages. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, you know, in a way that probably means that inflation will come soon. Um, and then that we heard from all the retailers. Um, what's interesting is that most of the retailer has presented a pretty good numbers, um, you know, even though they've been the beneficiary of the COVID period. Uh, but still, at the moment, the, the revenue is not falling off as fast as some expected. So many actually had earnings upgrade 
but the share price, none yes. of them responded because when the investor look ahead in the next three, six months, things is looking pretty tough for all mm. of those retailers. Mm. So we're seeing from the e-commerce businesses being sold off, we've seen the retailer, you know, JB and other, you know, Nick Scarly and all of that. Temple and Webster as Temple well. and Webster being sold off. Um, and so these businesses really struggled. Um, and then combined with something else also happening offshore, you have all the growth, people selling growth company again and moving into value company. So all of those tech companies on the last day were all being sold off on the back of uh, just US NASDAQ sort of falling. And not only that, we had a chat with another guest earlier Earlier this morning, pointing to US earnings season, we heard from PayPal overnight. They've got a basic product. It's called Pay in Four. It costs merchants nothing. We've nothing. seen a lot of pressure coming through on those buy now, pay later names, Afterpay mm. in particular. Yeah. Has the tide changed in a meaningful way, do you think? I think the tide has definitely turned. And I think it's always been the concern that that margin from the merchant side is always going to be squeezed. Now, if PayPal come in and say it's not going to cost you anything. Of course, people are going to continue to go with that one as a merchant. Uh, the land grab has already happened in Australia and New Zealand, and they're even saying that in Australia and New Zealand, it's a mature market. Um, but the growth is certainly in the US, and that's where Afterpay and Zip are really moving towards. And I think that's what we've got to concentrate on is those numbers in the US for that growth. And I still think that growth is still there. So you are um, still a believer in the buy now, pay yes. later listed? Yes, for the better quality businesses okay. out there, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, anything from... The Macquarie. So you agree? Sorry. Just oh, absolutely clear. agree. Yeah. yeah, I think that you know, US is a big market. PayPal talked about one billion dollar transaction value, whereas Afterpay's got five point seven. Um, you know, Core Pay is probably just under one billion. So yeah. you know, and but it's an enormous market, right? Yeah. Penetration is really low. It's, huge it's amount huge. of opportunity. Um, you know, if anything, just demonstrate the demand for that kind of product. But if I'm a merchant, I already have PayPal in my system, and they're offering this uh, for free. It's just essentially a, a different sure. vertical. Right. Inevitably, will margins start to come under pressure for the afterpays and zips and quad pays of the world? Yeah, so um, to, so two things. In the mature market, so say Australian being the mature market, um, they already have, you know, 10% penetration. So, you know, should the price start falling? Because we've got zip pay, afterpay, so many pays, right? Um, and yet the price has yet to move. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that clearly shows there's a strength in the afterpay Absolutely. or their model. Yeah. But in the US, the penetration is so low. Um, where afterpay and some of those guys um, is playing at the moment is on the enterprise level, so large retail. Mm -hmm. So these businesses, they're happy to have a couple of payment system. PayPal is not the key. PayPal, where it's big, is actually actually in the SME space. Yeah. Uh, that small businesses end. And that's where Afterpay and Zip get to sort of breaking into. So honestly, it's an enormous market. Um, okay. There's a lot of demand. Because this is the program that we're on, I will say, on this weakness, would you be buying into the likes of Afterpay or Zip? Or would you just be comfortable holding now? Um, I'm holding, but look, I'm one of those investors who will buy on the dip. So, you know, right now, Afterpay's moved from, you know, $150, $160 yeah. down to $100, below, below 100, 100 $197. Yeah. So, you know, it's a critical um, 200 moving day average, yeah. technically, we'll tell you. But my view is that a good company like that, you just buy whenever it falls. Um, don't buy your full position because we don't know when that rotation might happen, but that's nothing to do with Afterpay. It's everything to do with the market sentiment. And Zip's on real good support levels here. Mm. I think 760, something like that. Mm. I think the price is today. If you look at the chart, there's actually a couple of spots where it's actually hit that level and bounced again. So there's some really good support there. Uh, I'm comfortable to buy Zip at these levels. Mm. Thank you guys. And for the viewers that I think you can consider your bonus conversation. <laughs> I got a little bit off track there. It started with the Macquarie Conference, but I did think it's a thematic that's come to the fore yeah. this week that needs to be talked about. Uh, it also brings me to the stock of the day because, of course, the banks, uh, the three big banks plus Macquarie, 
reporting. We heard from Macquarie today and it was a bumper result. I mean, double digit bump in profits, massive $3.35 per share dividend, largely thanks to profits in the group's commodities arms, which benefited from a surge in electricity prices off the back of winter storms in the U.S. Net income, though, also up over 3%, despite a slight dip in assets under management. Now, looking ahead, the bank saying that it remains well-placed for superior performance in the medium term, but is still maintaining a cautious stance with a conservative approach. And let's start with you, Jim Bay. Uh, it's hard to look past that $3.35 per share interim dividend if you compare it, it on. to what we've got from the big four. I mean, that's yeah. just right. yesterday, 60 cents from NAB pales yeah. in comparison. Exactly. So look, um, dividends great and also structural growth for this business is incredible. Mm. Um, it's at a premium to other banks, but uh, honestly, looking at the result, it's incredible. 12 months ago, so, you know, okay, some people say, oh, there's weakness because they're not giving guidance, very cautious stance. They are being conservative. 12 months ago, everyone expect earning to fall uh, compared to the year before because they had a bumper year the year before they worry about commodity business and the like and guess what they grew 10 percent yeah um so you know looking ahead they said a cautious so everyone's sort of sitting in that flat line sort of you know zero growth for next year but you know i think macquarie pull it through mm-hmm. better than that it's really hard to argue with the the numbers and shimaru wick ramoaki doing really really well she's doing a fantastic job and the market really likes her as well yeah. so it's 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 something that she's not getting any pushback when she st- stands up and talks mm-hmm. uh, the market definitely listens and obviously, that annuity-style business that these guys have got is just uh, obviously paying dividends uh, ridiculously. I think there was some issues around the Texan um, or North American uh, power outage in Texas, and I thought that might have been a little bit of a pullback for these guys. But the balance sheet is well-funded, surplus capital, uh, dividends there. Um, you know, the banks were only paying out a dividend ratio of sort of 65%, which they're usually around 80%, so they're pulling back a little bit. But Macquarie's banking unit T1 equity ratio of sort of 12.6%. That's pretty uh, pretty amazing for and compared to what our big four are doing as well. So look, it's fantastic business. I think it's still in the portfolio. It should be still in the uh, uh, Osby's portfolio. But yeah, it's going to be. Yep, it, it, it is. Yep. Well, yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it should be. Absolutely. So I'm going to consider that a buy from Absolutely. you both. Now, buy. the other yep. thing that's you know a real thematic around the traps, uh, Macquarie today saying that it is promising to be net zero by 2025 and its financing operations will comply uh, to net zero by 2050. I mean, if this is the bandwagon, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, this is very important. Um, you know, investors these days, so investors or our investors and institutional investors, they all, they all have a target by 2025 need to be net zero. So how many of the companies, say for investors, how many companies um, sitting in those non-net zero and how are they going to reach there if they don't reach mm. there how are you going to sell them out of your portfolio so essentially this is where everything's going so everyone needs to reach there um, it's actually quite interesting with that net zero um, a sort of statement um, because you know Macquarie has invested incredible amount of balance sheet Ridiculous in those amounts. renewables mm-hmm. yeah. um, but yet it's you know the, the target the, to meet those criteria is so stringent um, it will take a few years mm-hmm. to get there but I think they're doing the right thing and it's incredible so you are paying attention to that as an investor yeah. do you get asked by your clients about <coughs> oh well ESG is always every day uh, yeah. There's more and more, and um, you know, with the Bloomberg screens, we can actually see the how much carbon emissions companies have and where they rate and those kinds of things. I still, I still get the question. I still ask the question: Are you okay with this? And a lot of people say, "Look, I'm still happy to invest in uranium or gambling yeah. and those yeah. kinds of things." 
but there is a huge subset of people that are looking for a feel-good investment. Mm -hmm. You know, the hearts and minds one has been a fantastic Mm -hmm. kind of stock that gives you that good feel. That's right. Um, But that that carbon net zero is going to be tough for these businesses, especially like the Coles and Woolworths of the world. They're massive energy producers or Mm -hmm. users of energy. They're really going to have to pull back. So is it uh, a metric that we look at? Yes. Is it a final decision? Probably no at the moment. So um, just be mindful that the trend, as you talked to before, so is increasing in um, momentum and every investor meeting uh, that we attend has that. And this year is the first time every company that presented at Macquarie conference had ESG slides. Talk right. to the ESG, mm-hmm. every single company. Right. And this is, you know, we've never seen that before. So okay. certainly it's a spotlight. Yeah, we had uh, Oil Search's VP exec mm-hmm. of sustainability, Beth White, on mm-hmm. the channel yesterday. And, you know, when, when a company like Oil Search is talking about sustainability, right. I think 20 <laughs> times in the AGM and at the Macquarie conference, then you know that it's uh, for real. Okay, so that is the stock of the day, Macquarie. It is in the portfolio. It will remain there. Thanks yes. to my expert guests today, Junbei Lu from Tribeca and Adam Dawes from Sean Partners. Should we get going? We'll get to the companies that have been nominated by you out there. Webjet is the first one on the list for Peter. He says Webjet is about to announce earnings on May the 19th. If the result is better than the market expects, will the share price jump due to its heavily short position? So is it a buy, hold, sell? When you consider share price, we've got COVID in Sydney, we've got the travel bubble suspended with New Zealand. So obviously, Webjet have, have started to run and they've raised a lot of capital. And this is sort of what Peter's talked about. And I commend you, Peter, on your uh, com- commentary in there because it's fantastic because it gives us a really good idea of what we need to sort of focus on. But they certainly have raised capital. They've converted some notes. They've done a lot over the time to shore up the balance sheet and make sure that that liquidity and everything's there. The problem is, is that international travel today, I think I saw that they weren't going to be back for another two years 2022 plus Uh, so it's going to take time can webjet then just do the domestic side they have come out to the market and said we think that we can maintain profitability so maintain being the key word here uh, maintain profitability just on the domestic side i struggle to see how they're going to be able to do that this stock is very heavily shorted unless they come out with a really good announcement and get rid of all those or clear out those shorters I think it's a sell. I I just think that the reopening trade potentially has already taken its place and now we're getting into reality. And that reality is that we're not going to see major amounts of travel going through into another couple of years. So for me, it's a sell. And uh, Flight Centre came out at the Macquarie Conference this week saying it's expecting second half underlying losses to be broadly in line with the first half. Flight Centre was sold down. Mm. Webjet was sold down in tandem, in sympathy, I suppose you could say. And that was even pre, you know, Sydney COVID outbreak. And That's right. Questions. And the shutdown in the bubble. Yeah. Um, so uh, I agree with Adam. I think these stocks are highly leveraged to the changes in expectations of opening, reopening mm. of the thing. Because at the moment, clearly, they're not making any money. Um, and Webjet has a big exposure to Europe as, as well, which cases have been far worse than, you know, what we experience here. Um, so um, theoretically, if things does return, so when travel returns, um, this will be most leveraged because it's very cheap um, and it's heavily shorted. And if Europe returned to that travel um, space, and there's a lot of crews for these guys as well mm. exposed to that mm. cruise space. Do, yeah. 
So when people start, you know, going on the ship again, um, this stock will um, do so much better than the rest of them. But right now, it's very speculative. Yes, the result is coming. Um, potentially, they could make a little bit less loss than expected. High shorted, highly shorted um, level mm. means uh, share price could jump on the day, but it will fade because you need the real earnings recovery. And so far around the world, we're not seeing that happening in terms of international travel. And another problem is we have now so many different variants of COVID. Um, it's endemic. So, you know, what, you know I, I just don't know if the government's ready to completely open border for everyone to travel to back to the pre-COVID level. Um, you know, it just seems like a very, very long recovery. Want to play travel, play Qantas um, much more. Actually, Qantas share price come off as well together yeah. with the whole basket. Yeah, but yeah. Qantas make most of its money from domestic traveling. Mm. And, you know, we may have border shut here and there, but uh, it's far better situation when you want to expect the future, um, you know, international travel to return. And yeah. there are lots of people traveling within Australia. Yeah. yeah. So that is a sell for you, Jim Bay? That's a sell for yeah. you. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to the next company on the list. This is for Nick. This is Hutchinson Communications, HTA. Adam, I'm going to go to you first on this oh, one. Oh, yeah. Huh? Right. Okay. <laughs> should, I, should I take that one? Yeah, you go, yeah. Yeah. I'll go first. Okay. Take it yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> we, we discussed this earlier. Jim going to oh, take swap. this one. It's good to let me know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So this one, actually, I, I take this one because it's so easy. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, um, it's market cap 1.6 billion. It has very limited free flow. So it's 88% held by Hutchinson yes. and 10% held by 3G Telecom. And the only asset it has is uh, 25% stake in TPG. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially a I don't even know why it's listed, so to be honest. Um, yeah. So it's it's listed. So essentially, it's a play on TPG share price. Now, yeah. TPG share price has gone through um, quite a few issues recently. You know, the well-known, um, uh, the C, uh, the David chairman, Tio. yeah, David Teo just left, announced the retirement. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the and then CFO, the CFO just yeah. left and the share price just continued to go down. I think the TPG is actually looking very interesting. Uh, it's in a good environment at the moment, same as Telstra, probably prefer Telstra a bit more. Um, the mobile pricing is actually pretty good. Optus putting up prices. Yep. Um, it's, you know, and the future growth is all about mobile for all these businesses. Once the competitive environment stabilized, which seems to have been so, um, I think all these businesses in pretty good environments at mm-hmm. this point. But, you know, TPG, because of the management changes, does worry people mm-hmm. a little bit. But it's an opportunity. But Hutchison Telecommunications, if you don't yeah. even know why it's listed, you uh, would I not be putting know. your money yeah, in Yeah, no, it. no, so certainly it's a, it's a void for me. Yeah. yeah. I'm just not even going to make you comment yeah, on it if you don't want to. No, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement 100% with you, but Yeah, okay. So that is, if, if we're doing buy, hold, sell, we're just going to do it a sell on that one. So yeah. do you want to let me know which company you're taking over? Uh, so- it's later Number on. Eight. Okay, later on. All right, Number we'll eight. talk about it in a bit. Um, Austell. Austell is, well, last I checked, it was in a trading halt. ASB is the ticker code. It is for Mark. Uh, look, he's saying great growth and stability, low debt, great contracts and expansion around the world. Why is it so cheap? Is it a bargain? Is that how you see it, though? Do you see it as great contracts, great margins? expansion behind it. Yeah, so take a step back. We, we, we saw sort of three months ago that um, the, the world was moving out of tech and moving into value. Now we've seen that value trade really rally up. I think now what we're seeing is that uh, moving out of that value trade but into earnings and markets are gonna follow earnings. Is this deep value or earnings value starting to come through? Potentially, yes. These have some really good contracts. For me, though, it's a hold due to the fact that I really don't understand uh, shipbuilding and I don't really understand government contracts or or naval contracts, those kinds of things. 
The, the NPAT increased by 4%, so I think it's better than expected earnings. However, um, they did temper expectations for the next for 2022 and 2023. So look, I think this one, look, you, there's, I think there's a yield on this one as well. So look, yeah, a little bit of a yield. So look, it's okay, um, but I think there's better value elsewhere and better money spent elsewhere. So more opportunities, it's a hold okay. for me. Okay, hold for you. But Jinbei, we've just learned it's out of the trading halt. It has become a joint owner of a strategically important, we're being told, shipyard that is located around the South China Sea. Now we know that there's rising tensions around mm. that region. It could be a beneficiary of you know, increased geopolitical risk, if you want to put it mm. that way. Mm. Yeah, sure. Um, you're right. Um, this business is, has always previously historically been bought by increasing defense spend. Um, so, you know, it was a huge beneficiary in the last 10 years when US yeah. continued to increase their defense spend. In fact, they actually been given some cash from the defense um, department in US to, to build the shipyard. Now, the biggest problem uh, of this company at the moment is uh, they last year, uh, they lost one of the biggest contracts, mm -hmm. which is due to expire in 2024 and that's something like 30% of the earning now they they will need to fill that hole and it's you know there's there's no certainty of how they're going to do that if they can't fill up the shipyard um, you know the cost is incredible in that space so um, you know just matter of you know knowing how that earnings going to be filled at this point and we don't know we have no visibility of when the next contract is coming they want a couple of small ones just not big enough to really cover that very lucrative contract um, usually for this business when you first make a ship um, and then you sell a couple of ships is um, the margin is very low because you know the cost of building the first ship mm. is very expensive. But then if you keep making the same one, then the margin goes higher and higher because you don't need to uh, innovate and you know do the same yeah. thing. So by losing a contract that's been going on for a long time, uh, which is very high margin, and filling with a new contract, um, even if you get one to fill that space, um, your margin will be very low to start with. It takes a couple of years to get to that high margin. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's a challenge for the business. Yeah. So that would be a hold for you or a sell? Oh, it's a it's a void for me. Avoid. Avoid. Okay, yeah. Um, that's Austell. Let's get to the next one on our list. This is for Ricky. It's Maca. MLD is the ticker code. I had to look this one up. Uh, <laughs> it is in the contracting space. Yep. Sort of mining services, but concrete and a whole, whole bunch of things around yeah. that sort of industry. Yeah. Do you know the company? Yeah, certainly. Um, it's, it's actually one of the, you know, if you could say better, there's Fleetwood, uh, Maca. Uh, there's a couple of decent businesses inside of these mining services area. The issue that we have, and Jumbei touched on it a little bit before, is uh, wage pressure or wage growth going into the mining sector. Because we now can't fly people in from overseas yep. to work the mines or to drive the trucks or to do the mining services side of things, wage wages are increasing. and. You know, you can pretty much in WA can um, ask and you can basically get uh, as much uh, as money as you need when you're asking for these things or, or getting some jobs. So I think the outlook for Macca is actually quite good because obviously they are a mining services business. But the problem is, and I see that that cost of work or the cost of employment is going to rise and hence margins are going to fall. Yes, and margins. margins are already quite tight in this area. Anyways, that's Always. right. That's right. So I think, look, um, I agree. I think the company is very cheap. It's trading on two times EBITDA, like yeah. really cheap. Um, but it, it's just that um, you know, inflation, we don't know how much they can rec recover. But uh, one thing, I guess, for Mecca is most of their con uh, well, they, they contract mining, right? So that there is some protection in terms of wage inflation, but not all. So margin will be under more pressure. And 
arguably it's a bit too cheap. And moment. I think if they stay with that fixed price contracting, mm. there's always a chance that things are going to slow down. Some there's going to be a mm. slip up and then then you, your profit is lost straight away. Mm. So yeah, it, it's a tough one. I think they're very upbeat on their outlook and their mm. commentary to the market. They're mm. very upbeat. But I like Fleetwood is probably my stance on this one. So it's a hold from me. Um, I, I, I prefer Fleetwood. Okay. Um, I probably avoid for me. Um, I much prefer larger, um, you know, contract mining is, uh, well, look, the mining services businesses are very, very tough. Um, much yeah. rather to be in the bigger names like Seven Group and others, right? Mm-hmm. So give you my more, more leverage to the recovery in the mining spend um, rather than the smaller one like this, even though it's very cheap, probably something to watch. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right, Ricky, that one was for you. Let's get to, well, another sort of related name, I think. CDA Coden yep. is the ticker code in the gold mining services space in a roundabout way. This is for Patrick. Thanks for writing in, Patrick. This is one that people often say is the one that got away. Yeah, and still continuing to get away. (laughs) (laughs) So So considering its price, is it too late to jump on the bandwagon? Um, Most brokers, and I think uh, I I saw on the screen today, brokers have upgraded closer to $17. I think it's around $17 at the, yeah, $17 at the moment. So it's probably fair value here, but communications is a critical need, is a critical issue for any businesses in the mining services space. And they just came out and, and bought out a business called Zetron, which is a US-based provider of mission-critical communication system for rural and metro agencies. So I think that is going to lift the uh, earnings of this business. And they acquired it for $45 million. So it's definitely at an attractive multiple on 2020 multiples. So I think this is a buy. Um, I've already missed a lot of it. But reading into it, there's a number of growth opportunities and synergies that they can make attractive. And that's basically uh, gaining market share in a very large market in the US. So I think there won't be much on the earnings uh, impact. And in fact, at 17 sort of under $17, I think it's a buy. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you should pick some up. Yeah. So I think that was Macquarie. I read the same note talking about even the potential for additional revenue synergies from further acquisitions. So do you see growth? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am a shareholder and I would buy it today. Um, I think it's a, um, it's it's in the right place at mm. the right time. So, mm. you know, there's an incredible amount of demand for all those underground, underground communication. Yeah. Um, you know, it's metal detecting business done incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's been, earnings being upgraded steadily over the last little while. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then with the acquisition opportunity, I think it's, it's well positioned. It is more expensive than the rest of the market, uh, but because it's delivering good growth and it makes good real earnings, right? So it's a bit different. And this is the thing is we talk a lot about price and valuation, but mm. you don't mind paying mm. for quality, right? You don't mind paying for quality and especially if it delivers growth that's underpinned by its driver that's not yep. just because world is getting better. And earnings are moving in the right direction. That's so right. So earnings follow or share price follows earnings. Yes. And if earnings are moving forward, the share price and everybody mm. will be happy to keep buying it until that stage where earnings don't. Yeah. Pretty incredible chart on screen <laughs> there and it's releasing a new <laughs> GPX 6000 metal hey. detector. <laughs> I looked it up online just because I think it's interesting. Um, so that's Coden, and it is going into the Osbiz portfolio. Hard to believe, but that brings us to the halfway mark already. So if you are watching uh, for the first time, what we usually do around this mark is just summarize what we've learned so far. I'll do it pretty quickly. Uh, with Macquarie, which is the stock of the day, released a bumper 
result today. It is a buy from both of my guests. It's already in the portfolio and I'll walk you through the portfolio if you're new to the program in just a moment. But uh, look, they don't really have anything negative to say about Macquarie. And uh, if you're a shareholder, yeah, that $3.35 per share dividend that you're, you'll be seeing in the wake of the results today. Congratulations on that. Uh, Webjet was the first on the list from our viewers. It is a sell from both of my guests. It doesn't really matter at this point whether or not we see some borders, travel bubbles. It's just got a lot of unknown still around it. It really needs to, you know, have that reopening actually come to fruition mm. before we'll see anything meaningful. It's very leveraged. It's very specky in June Bay's opinion. If you are looking for that reopening thematic in the travel space, she would prefer Qantas. Hutchison Telecommunications, this is going to be short because June Bay doesn't even really know why this company is listed, so why would you put your money there? Sorry, Nick, if you were hoping to, and it's a firm sell uh, from, from Adam as well. Austell, it's a, it's a difficult one because uh, for Adam, he doesn't really understand in detail how these defense contracts come about. So for that reason, he would not be looking to get into it, even though it does look like it's got uh, some good value. It's a hold for him. It's an avoid, though, for June Bay. Uh, it's got this big contract hole that we still don't know how it's going to fill. So that's enough of a reason for her to just avoid this one. Maka both said that it's a pretty good business in the mining services space, but for Jumbe, avoid it. Even though it looks cheap, it's a difficult area of the market to make money in. Uh, it, uh, Fleetwood is Adam's preferred yep. pick in the mining services space because it all comes down to sort of margin pressure when you're talking about these mining services companies that work on contracts as well. Coden is going in the portfolio. So this is a question from Patrick CDA. It's a buy, both see growth opportunities on the horizon, quality business. They're not scared by the current price because there is the opportunity for further growth. Jumbe owns it, she would buy it today. Uh, so that brings us to the portfolio. So we are running a portfolio, we call it ours. It's the call, it's uh, done in conjunction with our partner at NABTRADE, thanks to the guys there. We've been tracking this portfolio since July 1st of last year. So the rule is any companies that get a two thumbs up or a buy, it has to be from both of the experts on the show on the day we've been putting into the portfolio. So here's how we're looking today. So for the week down by close to 2% over the month, up by close to one and three quarters of percent and year to date, we're up by 28.6%. Some of it is thanks to my guests in studio today. Lately, we have added Silver Lake Resources. That was just yesterday. Virgin Money UK. You did Virgin? Well, it's funny. That was the same reaction oh from my, my panel yesterday goodness. saying, whoa, that's oh, a big call. I'm pragmatic on the Virgin. I think it's okay. Really? Yeah, yeah it's okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Banks Ooh. UK, it's getting better. Is it uh, going? Yeah, they, getting they, better. they actually result, uh, yeah. released results this week. It was a good result. Was it? Okay. Maybe you should go read well, it. Well, maybe I should. <laughs> it's very speculative. Yes. It's very speculative. At Reliance Worldwide, again, we heard from them at the Macquarie Conference. There's that price pressure that was talked about. Yeah, they yeah. are confident they can pass those prices on to their customers. And it comes in a week that copper hit you know, $10,000 plus this yeah. week. Mm. Beach Energy as well. I asked the question yesterday. I would presume it was put in ahead of that announcement that last yeah. week, which was a big downgrade. Big questions. Yeah, look, I think it's a little bit too speculative mm. here because they downgrade, even though that reserve itself is only now fit or 16% to overall reserve. Um, yeah. But some of the reasons for the downgrade, shrinking that reserve by 30%, is um, they said, oh, they drilled a hole too, too close together and create 
create some issues. Mm. But then people ask, well, why do you drill too close together? Does that mean you're trying to, um, you know, you overinflated your potential uh, reserve and, you know, all of that? Um, then it just poses a question about everything else. You know, did, did, have you applied the same assumption for uh, or every other reserve? Yeah, it, I remember it last, I think it was this time last week saying that mm. there was an urgent review now going mm. on across there. I mean, that's not what you want to hear as a shareholder. Not at all. And the share price has definitely been yeah. beaten up mm. uh, on the back of it. And we, we, our analyst has now moved to a sell on beach. He, mm. he said that he can't trust management. Yeah, and that, that's that, a problem. That issue going forward can be quite systemic uh, in, in the business. So, yeah, I mean, look, Santos potentially, Woodside, yes. Um, there's plenty of other ones that mm -hmm. you could look at. Oil mm -hmm. search, I'm a bit scared of at the moment as well. So, um, but that oil price isn't really budging. You know, it's mm. sort of 62 $65. Mm. It's not really budging that much. Um, we saw Aramco the other day came out with their oil price of $62 is their break even. So anything under 62, I think you, you see the oil price starting to move higher because obviously Aramco is, is OPEC. So they're going to maintain that sort of level of 65 mm. Obviously, they want it to go higher, but it's a good sort of uh, level at 62 where you think there might be some value if it does start to fall back around to that 55 mark. All right. If you'd like to know what else we have in the portfolio, you can do so by heading to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Let's get going on the <laughs> remainder of this companies on our list today. This one's uh, taking it from a little bit of a different tack. And it's interesting because obviously these guys both are sort of active managers, Jume <laughs> in particular. Uh, but I love the question that's been posed from Mike. He says, I have a new grandson born on the 27th of March, and I would like to put some money aside, potentially in Earth ETF. So this is the BetaShares Climate Change Innovation ETF for him. I'd welcome the panel's view. This is anticipated to be a long-term investment. Um, perhaps, you know, we could continue to add to it over the next 18 years. So great sentiment. Congratulations on the birth of your new grandson, Mike. Yeah. Uh, I'll start with you, Adam. Yeah, I wish I had a uh, grandfather like Mike uh, <laughs> giving me uh, good stocks and good ETFs inside of uh, a portfolio over the 18 years. Look, I think Earth is a fantastic business. I think it's something that, you know, you can continue to add to over time. We all talk about ASG. It's always there. It's, it, it's part of it. This fits that thematic just perfectly. Basically, what happens is, is that they have to have uh, a derived 50% of their revenue from green revenue. So being revenue associated with green energy, green transport, waste, decarbonization, and sustainable products. So a lot of it is actually quite US-centric as far as that the United States makes up to 42% of the portfolio. So you need to be a little bit careful um, of what's going on there. Uh, China, 11%, and then it goes down. So it, you are getting a great exposure to the US. Some of the companies that are in the US, obviously Tesla, which looks really quite interesting, Zoom, DocuSign, those kinds of businesses. I think they're all sort of new age as well as uh, whatnot. I use this for my portfolio for clients that need international exposure, but I also use FAIR, F-A-I-R, for the Australian uh, component of the ESG or, or green theme. So I have Earth for international and FAIR for the domestic side and clients really love it and it's really performed quite well. So, so yeah, because yeah, it does come down to performance as well. Absolutely, it's So you would put it well. in these clear yeah. conscience, 18 years Absolutely. and still looking for. Yep, and you get a nice feel good. 
Who doesn't like to feel well, good? Well, who doesn't? Especially on Friday. <laughs> exactly right. Feel Jim good ben, Friday. I mean, if it is complicated to invest in ESG, considering the difficulty it is and knowing exactly what companies are doing, what metrics they're having to report against, et cetera, et cetera. You know, is this a, a fair way to to gain exposure to the thematic? Yeah. So my my you know my view is that uh, you know if you don't have all the time looking at the companies, finding the you know the best company to invest in, they have all the time to monitor that. Uh, ETF is always the best way mm. for retail investors, um, and especially ETF with that green exposure. Um, I think Adam's gone through detail about you know how you know, what this the split and all of that. Um, but I think, you know, just given amount of interest and flow we've seen going to ETF that has that whole green exposure or ESG exposure, mm. uh, it's incredible. It's 50% of all the flow in the US mm-hmm. um, and it's growing. So um, yeah, it's enormous. So I think it's a good um, good thing to play. Okay, it's a sound investment for your grandson. All right, <laughs> let's get to the next company. This is for Vince, Medibank. Again, I feel like I'm doing Macquarie's advertising for it, but a lot came out of the conference. Medibank was out there upgrading policy growth target for the third time in FY21. Yeah, that's actually very interesting. The whole sector has, um, the health insurance sector went through, you know, a few years of terrible growth in terms of, um, you know, uh, insurance um, from individuals, um, simply because people couldn't see value. Um, You know, your out-of-pocket cost is still too high and all that. Um, But because of COVID, now we suddenly actually started seeing the growth uh, in increased policyholders. Um, So people are more health conscious, uh, which is very, very interesting. So um, for the first time, we're actually um, seeing the industry perhaps is not so doomed because uh, previously we thought that whole system not going to stay, um, you know, stay afloat. Um, but so if the growth maintains and people continue to be more healthy, that is pos- uh, that is very positive for the top line for those businesses. Now, but there's one thing going against them, well, going for them at the moment and in the last 12 months is that people haven't gone to the hospital because yes. the hospital was shut. So there's not that much claim. So they've been sitting on all those uh, unclaimed reserves. So these businesses were literally just write back some of those claims uh, to manufacturer earning or has been doing so in the last you know 12 months and next six months perhaps but when hospital reopen when we return to the normal level of um, you know surgeries and things that claim will pick up um, it's just a matter of time it's an interesting one so will the claims pick up and then you know that demand all be brought forward or mm. will it just go back to normal? It's hard to sort of know if everybody's going to go out and get all these surgeries or glasses or dental work that they needed to do or That's- if, you know, or if that demand has sort of waned. Yeah. So, um, look, certainly if we look at, um, well, obviously it's harder to see, um, you know, taking two years view, but we have seen the backlog for the hospital system is very high mm-hmm. for the private hospital system is very, very high. Um, so it just ma- actually matter of working through those backlog uh, for the private hospital like Ramsey and also public system yeah. because people couldn't go to surgery before now it's all being scheduled mm-hmm. on so things are coming back in a, in a big way so next 12 months this is a bit like retailers six months ago mm-hmm. so in the next six months or 12 months earnings going to reverse the other way yeah. um, and also what's interesting for these businesses that Medibank actually quite smart that it is very highly politically sensitive to be viewed that you profit from the COVID um, so Medibank mm-hmm. actually spending back into even though they didn't spend anything on the claim but they spent back for the members, lower fee increase and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas uh, NIB did the opposite. They did actually try to mm-hmm. increase they the profit. Did. So the upgrade was actually quite large quite recently. So, you know, going forward, we do see that normalizing because you cannot 
profit from a pandemic like this. And uh, and then in time, you will have to pay back into the member to increase, you know, fee lower, you know, yep. to make a lower fees mm-hmm. for your members. So net net, if we're healthier, but there's also backlog to do. I mean, that, do you like the short term outlook for Medibank? Would you be buying it? Um, I think it's a hold for me. Okay. It, it provides a good dividend um, at this point. And as I talked to, they're holding on to a lot of profits, a lot of cash flow. So um, it's actually really good for Medibank at this point of the cycle. Um, but in six months, I think share price will really struggle to go higher because of the earnings reversion. So you look at that chart mm-hmm. and you look at it at three bucks, 307. Mm-hmm. It's hit there three times now. And if the last two times it's failed. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be a little bit careful here that these, if it does fail from here, if it's back down to two sixty eight, two dollars fifty, and then probably yes, you can look at this again. I'd be cautious here. It's a hold for me just mm-hmm. on price action, but also it, it talks about claims catch up mm-hmm. and deferred claims liability. So both of those uh, are going to, and and basically Macquarie saying um, in their note that they are saying that relief costs are going to go through for two, first half of two thousand and twenty one, but expected to reverse in the second half of two thousand and twenty one. So exactly what Jumbo is saying, that you're going to see this massive uh, influx of, of, of profitability or movement mm-hmm. through those policies, but then that's going to reverse in the second half of the end of 2021. So look, for me, it's a hold on the price valuation alone. Yeah. Um, I think it's good, but um, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. For, I, the other thing about this one is that millennials don't see health insurance as a important Well. It's also expensive. It's also very expensive. Not just for millennials. And so they're probably happy to take that 1% tax. You know, there's a, you get a fine or- Surcharge if you're making above a certain amount of money. So, you know, they they have to change the way people think about health insurance Mm -hmm. because we've all grown up with it. I guess these guys are saying, well, we don't really need it. Um, So I think there's there's a big, um, visual is not the right word. They they need to- Perception. Perception of the, of, the industry and they had to change that. Yeah, well, I think they're trying. Um, and the other thing is that it's it's subject to regulation. I mean, policy yeah, as well. 100%. And there's something, this is one to watch around the federal budget. Uh, mm-hmm. They're looking for reforms on prosthesis. If that does not come in this federal budget, then it will potentially come later in the year. But just to the point that it's also subject to uh, regulatory concerns. Okay, so that is Medibank. Uh, let's get to NTO Tech. So it is, this is yours? This is mine. Over to you, ADO. <laughs> just like that, hey? Just like that. Oh my COVID-19 goodness. All right. test. There you go. So, yeah. So, um, the, first of all, on a technical side, um, ADO um, put out uh, a share purchase plan. They raised up to 12 million through the issue of 46 million shares at a price of 26 cents. So, if you look at the share price today and you're a shareholder and you've got the SPP in front of you, I would take that up because at 26 cents a share versus where it is at 33 cents a share, I think there's some value there to happen. However, what generally does happen with these kinds of stories is that once the share price uh, has a a level, but then the SPP is rolled through, you will see the share price come back to around about that 26 cent level. So uh, there's a little bit, be a little bit cautious of putting too much into this, but certainly uh, it's done at a deep discount. Obviously, the funds are going to be placed to scale up the roll-up of the Eugene Reader mm-hmm. and the in vitro rapid diagnostic test for the detection of SARS or COVID virus. So, look, it's an interesting one. Um, I, I'd buy it in the share placement. So, you're a shareholder, I'd do that. I don't know if I would then continue to be investing this thing after because 
yes, these rapid tests for COVID is going to be interesting, but is it going to last? Mm. And do is there another test that will potentially come out and and pre you know uh, get these guys off the off the pedestal? So for me, I think it's looking good at these levels, but I'd be cautious and I'd probably be buying it if you don't own the share. I'd probably be buying it around that twenty six twenty seven mark because most stocks will come back to that SPP price as a level and then start to move from there. So you could plan your entry point a little bit lower where it is. For me, it's a hold. I still think that uh, this whole diagnostic side of things, there's going to be a better a better uh, solution to it coming up. So it's a hold for me. Is it too specky for you? Uh, it's it's actually interesting whether it's uh, look it's uh, it is speculative, yeah. um, but the, we've seen in the last this is a great thing about capitalism. Um, in the last twelve months or eighteen months, we've seen incredible amount of new business model that pop up that yeah. actually completely leverage to you know to benefit than to benefit from what's happening in the world. Um, and uh, this is one of them. And we've seen a couple of others that listed. Um, they all done incredibly well uh, during this period, and presumably we will do uh, still okay for the next six months, given things things are still um, recovering very slowly. Around Around the world, so there's a bit more money to be made. But the question is, do they really have a business model uh, when you know when the return world return to normal? Yeah. Um, we know it will, and perhaps it's 12 months or 18 months away. So, um, so that is a question. So. I don't know if this business uh, would have been around if we didn't have this. So mm. um, yes, there will be increased demand for testing for all of those. But by testing business, by um, you know Helios, by Sonic, by these businesses, because they've proven they got so much cash, because they made so much cash during this period, um, they're on the you know acquisition trail and all of that. By those quality businesses, this one is just uh, it's very speculative. We don't know what it looks like in a year's time in terms of earnings. Um, very hard to make the call. Mm -hmm. Okay. Eclipse Group is the next on the list. This is for you, Alex. I hope you're watching or listening for this one. Uh, the first half result came out just yesterday, I believe, the day before. Uh, things were looking really good. So, you know, uh, the order pipeline is strong, new tender wins. Uh, it's Things seem to be going yeah. really well. But the uh, question is, I suppose, is it as good as it gets? Well, potentially, potentially yes, because... Uh, the end of lease or, or that sort of uh, novating lease or th those kinds of things that this business does um, certainly uh, could normalize in the next six to 12 months. So I'd be cautious about that. Um, I think these guys own Grays Online. They sold it. They, yeah. Well, yeah, so they sold it. So they, they definitely sidestep or <laughs> sidestep a bullet on that one uh, because Grays Online potentially tried to come back out and relist the game from private equity. And it didn't get any showing at all. Oh, yeah, I yeah, actually we, forgot what happened. We were on the yeah, we, yeah, we're okay. on the ticket of trying to get it away, and it, it just didn't get away. So, um, I think this Eclipse Group is one of those ones that is uh, a strong leasing business. I feel that um, the the share price is is tracking uh, quite well through 2021, but I I prefer so it's a hold from me um, because at the end of year or this leasing business one can get. I think McMillan Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah right. we can we can see that one stroke of a pen and a business has disappeared. But also then um, new cars and uh, are still going really strong. And our next stock is probably where I'm a little bit more excited about. So I will hold off on giving hold any, on. anything more. We're all about building the excitement here. <laughs> well, that's what I was trying to do. Yeah, so this one is a hold for me. I, I think you could find better value elsewhere. Better value elsewhere. So Eclipse, some strong car leasing demand. It appears as if this is a really well-run business. It, 
Does this area of the market though need some further consolidation? Oh, absolutely. I think this is probably the uh, the most exciting part about this industry, um, the consolidation. We've seen some um, recent announcements and this one presumably in the next 12 months could be got, um, could be taken out and the like. And now the business went, uh, had a, few tough years uh, when they bought mm. all these businesses, Grace Online and things, yeah. and, and it, you know, it, it didn't work out. And so the management team came in, delevered the balance sheet, sold those businesses, just clear um, the deck really, yeah. cleared everything. And so the business seems to be going a little bit better. Now, what's happening now is because of the, which next stock we'll talk to is the car sales market, the used car sales market is very, very strong. Um, you know, and that generally, um, you know, translate into the car lease industry as well because mm. there's a lot of demand for it mm -hmm. yep. um so you know so they're in a good spot at the moment and it's not expensive it's probably 10 12 times um so for me to hold because i agree um there's a lot of regulatory risks the government has talked about reviewing it to you know close that loophole um but it could come anytime it could come next year or you know whenever yep. so that's a very big uh, earnings risk and um, but the consolidation perhaps is something that you will see in this industry because the bigger does get more scale benefits mm -hmm. okay so eclipse is a hold from both of our guests I, I know you just want to talk about the next one so let's just get there autosport asg for leon so i'm feeling the vibes coming yeah. from you You're, you really like this one well look i like i like the way that the market has moved over the last six months. And we all thought, okay, cost control, um, you can't get enough cars. So basically, oh, they're gonna they're gonna struggle. These businesses have gone from strength to strength. AP Eagers, uh, this one, and uh, what's the other? Uh, there's another one in there as Peter well. Warren, the yeah, new, one, yeah. new one that's yeah. come on, it's done very, very well. Mm. So I think that, that is those uh, are going to be favorable trading conditions for the next six to even 12 months because they delivered a really good, strong growth. Um, their top line data, they came through uh, profit before tax at 29 million. That was a 164% increase on a prior corresponding period. And if you look at the chart, it really does look like it's just moving up really nicely. And uh, um, AP Eagers has also uh, done very, very well. So they've got to, what, what they've got to do is keep that cost, those costs lower and, and, and basically move to make sure that those margins going into 2022 may improve so i think this one i'm going to go out on a limb of the two limbs today but i'm going to go out on a limb and say it's a buy because i still see the favorable new car market coming through in the next six to 12 months isn't going to stop as well as the 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 uh, used car market is still very very hot so auto sports, sports group essentially sells used cars yep but what makes it different than a carsales.com uh, well, they, they get a better margin. Okay. Uh, when, when you, they can, they, you know, they'll make two thousand dollars, five thousand dollars a car, uh, and and they can continue to turn them over really, really well. Car sales just takes a clip on the overall fee, or, yeah. or that, and these guys will use car sales to get the people into the showroom to to do right. that. So yeah. I think they sort of coexist quite okay. nicely right. going so forward. Car, car sales is pretty much just the advertising. Classified. Yeah, classified. Right. So classifieds, yeah, yeah. online classifieds, mm. whereas the other one is actual dealership. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so Autosport exactly um, in the right spot. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. Autosport almost feel like probably six and 12 months ago of the retailers. Yeah, um, Because Agreed. things are going so well. The reason it's going well is because 
because of all these COVID-related shutdown, all the cars are not being manufactured. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, cars out of Japan and things. There's, there's no new cars. Yep. So that made the demand for the, uh, especially people driving more as well, made the demand for the secondhand car. So and what's interesting normally with the car dealership space is that top line growth normally is very slow. It's like yep. a population growth, few percent, um, and then the margin is normally reasonably thin. Um, but what's happening now is because there's no new car coming in and secondhand car. So you increase the volume demand mm-hmm. for the secondhand car and the margin, there's no discount anywhere. If you want to get a car, there's no discount. Yeah, so heard. the margin to those dealers is incredible. Yeah. So this margin is not sustainable, but for the next 12 months, it looks like for the, at least 10 months, there's no yeah. new cars coming. Yeah. So it's good for this time period. Um, but just be mindful, remember the retailers, now it's all been sold off 30%, even though the earnings still all time high. So, you know, you, you just got to time yourself as you get closer to that day. You would not be buying today? I'll be a holder of this company, yeah. but I, I know that day is coming probably three months away. Yeah. And then you add semiconductor chip shortages on top of it. And this could be a, probably a little bit longer of a thematic potentially than we had thought. Well, that brings us to the end of this part of the session. I forgot a little bit earlier on to talk about the buy now, pay later names here in Australia. So the listed Australian names after pay zip, uh, both of my expert guests today, June Bailu from Tribeca and Adam Dawes from Sean Partners are still quite positive on that part of the market. So just thought I'd put that out there. Uh, let's reiterate what we've learned. BetaShares Climate Change Innovation ETF Earth. This is for a long term uh, hold and uh, yeah, Adam's quite happy with this. He thinks it's a good one. I think it's a buy. And yeah. it was a buy from June Bay as well for the reasons that were stated. It's long-term ESG. That will be going into the Ausbiz portfolio. So Medibank is also on the list. This one is for Vince. Things are looking quite good now, Vince. But June Bay questions how long that will continue when you start to see this backlog of uh, demand being placed on the services. It's pretty good for a dividend. It's a hold for her. It is a hold for Adam Dawes on the price action alone. Take a look at the chart, what levels it's bumping up against and where it could potentially fall to. Antiotech, A-D-O, this is a hold. I think we got yeah, there in the got, end. Yeah, it was a hold. For definitely, Adam, definitely. but if you are already a holder and you have the SPP in front of you, it is a buy. Yeah. But keeping in mind, it could fall back down to that 26 cent Correct. level. If it does fall, this is complicated. No, so it's the 26 not. It's what level, I do every day. Then Adam would buy, <laughs> would buy uh, the company. Okay, so it's uh, it's not one that you may would be interested in because it is specky. It is a narrative that only came about because of COVID. Will this company exist once we get back to normal? Fingers crossed. Eclipse Group is a hold from both of my guests. Consolidation in the sector is probably the biggest plus for June Bay. Uh, just a hold for you? Yeah, it's government. Yeah. It could be a stroke there of the pen. There could be a and, regulatory change. Yeah. Autosport, though, Adam could barely contain himself. He wanted to talk about this one right at the beginning. <laughs> it is a buy. He's going out on a limb, but yeah. he really does like the narrative that's taking place right now. Junbei says, yeah, things are looking good right now. It's a hold for her. But keep in mind, the margins are not sustainable. Again, well, we're not getting any cars now. Used cars are hard to come by. The margins are looking good. Again, it's, it's a story that... It's got the clock ticking on it, even as we speak. So that was uh, all the 10 stocks nominated by our guests. Um, Macquarie Group was the stock of the day. We heard from the three big banks. I think it would be remiss at the end of the week not to ask about that. Yeah. Um, are you a buyer of the big banks? Are you a comfortable holder? 
I think I'm a comfortable holder to slightly buy. <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. a comfortable holder probably is where I am. Uh, yeah. The result they release all pretty good, a little bit better than expected. Economy is recovering. They got all these provision they can release, um, and capital ratio looks good, and dividend is marching its way up. So by the full year, we should see a little bit more. And the large bank like CBA probably likely to have more capital return, um, probably a few billion dollars that will be announced. So I think they look pretty good. I prefer Macquarie, of course, but the rest of them they don't look that expensive. Uh, with the economy improving, I think they're good. Well positioned. Mm-hmm. The underweight? Uh, uh, no, we, we. I did a lot of buying last week. In anticipation. Free these You results. were rewarded with Westpac, but not necessarily with the other two. And that was my best and favourite uh, story. I thought Westpac absolutely hit it out of the park. They got rid of all of their fines. They've got rid of all of the bad stuff. They're pushing that aside. They're now moving forward. Um, yeah, it was a it was a cracker of a result. Um, though I did buy the whole sector um, for most clients. I topped up most of the banks. I feel that the banks have definitely turned a corner. The value is still there, I think, a little bit left there, but we're buying it for the income. Yes, the payout ratio has come back a little bit, mm-hmm. so back from 80% down to sort of 60, 65. ANZ flagged that a while ago. They flagged that uh, a couple of uh, six months ago that that payout ratio was going to come down. But as Jumbo said, that second half dividend is going to be a cracker. So this first one came through. It was a little bit better than previous. Most people thought, I think the next half dividend is going to be really, really good. And that's going to keep that full year dividend nice and tight for the banks. And I think there's still good value there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've been buying them. Spoke with Ross McKeown from NAB yesterday, oh, yeah. and he said they are targeting between 65 and 75%, right. but not ruling out the potential for buybacks uh, of course you know they're very cashed up and uh, I think CBA is definitely in the the box seat to do that first about two billion dollars one or two probably so that's going to be great for shareholders as such but really the banks have turned a corner um, and you know you just see that it was six months ago you started to see the little green shoots starting to happen and the regulatory issues coming away um, so yeah, it's 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 definitely a good one for those income style clients, and we've got lots of income clients mm. that need that mm-hmm. extra income, and that's what's supporting the share price at the moment. All right, guys, I could sit and talk all day, yeah. but I know you've got to get back to business. Thank you so much for joining us, Jim Bailey from Tribeca Investment Partners, Adam Dawes from Sean Partners. Always great so on a Friday. And that's our show for the day. If there are any companies that you would like us to cover, please flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au, or you can tweet to us at ausbiztv if you've been watching us via the live stream, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or via the app. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back after this very short break. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.